We've been sitting here talking all day, and you all never bothered to learn my name. <laughs> We're so buried in our phones. Instead of giving someone a real smile, we send an emoji. This is from Justin McCain, a podcast where Mike Robertson and Bob Rue watch one critically acclaimed film and one terrible film and talk about how they are the same. Everybody, welcome to From Justin to Kane. Uh, I'm Mike, and with me, as always, is friggin' Bob. Hey, everybody! And uh, yeah, we got another episode uh, for you today, recorded on this Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it's a big deal. We we have a lot on our mind. We have two movies on our mind, and we also have uh, a sport we know very little about on our mind. But we are going to watch because of the snacks. Because of the snacks, yeah, me and Bob are both in it for the snacks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bob, what's uh, what do you think is going to happen today for today's for today's game, snack wise? Oh, uh, so big, big, big platter of nachos. Uh-huh. Okay, and I'm talking multiple levels of cheese, like really more cheese than chip Ooh. ratio. So you just that sounds good. It's gonna be good, and it's gonna hurt the tummy later, but that's okay because life is mm-hmm. for living, and life is for farting too. That's what they say. I mean. That's what they say. Yeah, that's an old saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then we're um, there's a bit of a chicken wing fiasco at the moment, and we're trying to problem solve it in real time. I'm literally being texted as we record this podcast. We're trying to figure out where to get chicken wings. Uh, yeah, so listeners, if you know where you can get chicken wings, please uh, email us at from Justin to Kane at gmail.com. <laughs> the uh, number two, the, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, not oh, the number no, two. Oh, no, it's not the number two. The, the email is the regular letters. <laughs> oh, Everything shit, is letters. Yeah. Every, all of our social media has a two in it. Obviously, I don't email us enough. <clears throat> you never email us. And it's true. Do you want me to start emailing us? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll email from Justin to Kane. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's going on with your snack situation? You are a vegetarian, so what? what um, you're obviously not going to eat chicken wings, but what else are you going to eat? Well, we only have nachos planned so far. Oh, and they won't that's be it? fully loaded because fully loaded implies meat, the flesh of the beast. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you're, you're gonna have cheese, <clears throat> maybe some onion. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Lots of cheese, some onion, maybe yeah. uh, green onion. I think. Yeah, yeah, green onion. Yeah. Uh, salsa, of course. Yeah, yeah, the good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then what's I your mean, brand of tortilla that you uh, eat? Are you a Tostitos family or what? Um, no, I think we're the... Oh, frick, I can't remember what it's called. It's those ones that come in those kind of brown paper, bags. Paper bags. K-Pasa yeah. or something? Yeah, K-Pasa. Yeah. That's right, yeah. That's that's also what we have. Yeah, we generally go with K-Pasa. Sometimes we'll go with Tostitos. You know what's really good? What? Tostitos makes a uh, queso. Oh, really? Queso dip. That neon orange queso dip that yeah. they make, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very good. Is it? I don't think I've ever actually had it. I've just had like yeah. homemade queso. Yeah, we got a uh, a queso dip that was mm, from like, I guess, a indie company. I don't know what you would call it, like a smaller company. That's that, the most pretentious thing you've ever said. An organic, I guess, maybe. 
An yeah, indie organic queso company? Local? Yeah, we got... <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I guess food and music don't... Yeah, the word indie doesn't mean anything uh, when it comes to food. But the... Uh, Do yeah, they have so a Kickstarter? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No. Well, yeah, whatever. We got... But we got this... Um, this fancy, expensive, organic queso, mm. and we were excited, but it kind of tasted like vomit, and the uh, Tostitos one, which is most likely not real food, was still the better of the two quesos, so, uh-huh. so you know, there's A something to be said about processed. Exactly. Yeah. Something to be said about uh, processed garbage food. Well, you know what you're getting versus the indie uh, uh, cheese queso, you know? You mm-hmm. you know what you're getting with Tostitos. They're consistent. They are, yeah. <sighs> it's a tough one. I, I say go for it. Support the capitalist machine and eat the queso that gets you going. Well, it's the better of the two quesos, so you got to eat it. Yeah, yeah. And probably cheaper. Oh, 100% cheaper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, appropriately for today's episode, Super Bowl Sunday uh, and the conversation that we're having appropriately fits in with what we're talking about in this episode today. It's true. Um, because... We're talking about a sports movie, uh huh, and we're talking about a garbage movie. Mm-hmm. So we're talking mm-hmm. about garbage. We're talking about a sports movie, a garbage, overly processed film. You know, it if if Tostitos queso dip didn't taste good, it would be the perfect metaphor for the <laughs> film, the Emoji Movie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We 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 are usually when we're talking about movies on this podcast, we do always kind of use food metaphors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like vegetables eat your vegetables you know yeah this movie's a slurpy blah 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 eat your queso yeah the emoji movie is like garbage queso for sure mm-hmm. and uh um the other film we're talking about lagan once upon a time in india is uh i guess definitely a sports film oh when it's like more of a sports film than most sports movies yeah it is yeah it was legendary also what a great title I know. It's a sports film with actual stakes. Yeah, yeah. It's not just arbitrary victory. Yeah, the sports in the movie has something to do with the characters and their livelihoods, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, we're a sports team and we have to win this game, the end. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting point to make, actually. I didn't really think about that as I was watching it. Because most sports movies are pretty arbitrary. It's just about success. Yeah, it's just about success. It's about the insular world of the sport. Yeah, but Lagan is it's do or die, basically. The stakes are yeah. literally so high. So high. As as high as the tax. Yeah. Um well, okay, let's let's talk about these two movies. So obviously the canines know we're talking about twenty uh, seventeen's the emoji movie and two thousand and one's Lagan, Once Upon a Time in India. Um Let's chat about it. Let's 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 talk about these two movies real quick. Uh, let's do it. As we I, do. I will start with the Emoji movie. I honestly don't have that much to say about it, but here we go. So the Emoji movie came out in 2017, mm-hmm. released by Sony. It's like part of their animated uh, department. Um, it's directed by Tony Leondis. Leondis? I don't know. And uh, Leonidas. Leonidas, no, it's L-E-O-N-D-I-S, Leondis. Yeah, it wouldn't be Leonidas, like the 300 character. Yeah, Leonidas would be cooler, though. Um, So, and he he also wrote the screenplay. Oh, yeah? Yeah. um, I don't really have much to say about him, to be honest with you. 
what other movies did he direct? He did uh, Lilo and Stitch straight to video sequel, I think. Did he? Oh, so he's like an animated guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here, and here, he did here another straight to video sequel. Like he pretty much just made his his so bread doing that. He's only directed four films. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, yeah, Lilo and Stitch two. Stitch has a glitch. Holy shit! Igor, Kung Fu Panda, Secrets of the Masters, which is like a short film, and mm. then the Emoji Movie in 2017, and he hasn't worked since. Well, but the Emoji Movie was a hit. He might also be working on something right now. That's true. And animated movies take forever to make. So I guess that is worth mentioning. Was was it a hit? I actually don't know. I assume it was because it's so like, it seems like such an easy sell. Um, let's just see. Because it like critically it was panned. Oh, of course. But And it won many Razzies. So box office is made for 50 million. Yeah, I mean, it, worldwide, it made over $200 million. So it's oh, definitely, Jesus Christ. It definitely made some money. It made more money than Lagan. Yes, it did. But that's to be expected because it's just like corporate trash that just automatically, you know you're going to be making money. Yeah, and I'm sure that they were profitable before they even released the film just because of how much like uh, product placement's in it. Totally, totally. And... Yeah, it's just such a corporate behemoth. I don't really see how a film like this could fail, even with terrible critical reception. Um, Mm -hmm. But it seems like the majority of the money was made overseas, not in North America. What? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Um, Anywho, it is about... So uh, the film stars TJ Miller, James Corden, Anna Faris, and Maya Rudolph... Um, and it is about an emoticon who's supposed to be meh, but he has a glitch, not dissimilar to Lilo and Stitch, um, <laughs> where he, he can show multiple expressions and therefore he becomes an outcast. And then he goes on a fun rollicking adventure to try to, uh, you know, save the day. I don't want to give too much away cause it's a real thrill ride to watch. Also, Patrick Stewart is in it and he plays Pooh. He does play Pooh, yeah. Um, I have an interesting fact about that. So Jordan Peele was offered the role of Poop, turned it down, molded over, then asked his agent uh, how much money he was going to be offered to play the role. And this all happened like within 24 hours. And when he finally got in contact with them, they were like, oh, we gave it to Patrick Stewart already. Mm. And then from this, from this experience, supposedly he swore off uh, acting forever and now he just directs. Really? Yeah, so this is the film that put the sour taste in his mouth. But he, he was also in Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Shit, so I forgot about that. I guess he decided that. to do cartoons again. I guess. Well, you got to pay the rent. Yeah, so, you do. listen, listen. This <laughs> is a really crazy cast, okay? So, you have TJ Miller playing Gene, James Corden playing High Five, Anna Ferris playing Jailbreak, Maya Rudolph playing Smiler, uh, Stephen Wright playing... Uh, the dad meh and then jennifer coolidge plays uh gene's mom mary Mm -hmm. meh patrick stewart is poop christina aguilera is uh, a character named akiko glitter no i can't remember her she's the just dance character oh right right and then sofia vergara is uh flamenca yeah and get this rachel ray is in the film as spam really yes and then sean hayes plays a devil Steven. Um, and that's it for notable cast. The rest are 
not that interesting. But huh. isn't that nuts? There's just a that lot of heavy of like, hitters. That's kind of a it's kind of a wild compilation of people that I would never imagine in the same room. I I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, it's kind of it's nuts. But they obviously spent a shitload of money on the cast. That's positive, I guess. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone's getting paid, so br- bring home the bacon. Well, Bob, would you do the Emoji Movie if you were offered it? If for some yes. reason you were okay, one hundred percent. I literally, no doubt in my mind, this is not. This film wouldn't ruin your career. It would just be like, you know, like Cats. It's not like Idris Elba's untouchable because he was in Cats. Sometimes you're yeah. just in a turd, but if you're famous enough, you just kind of collect the money and go. You know. Also, like children's entertainment is bad like not always but a lot a lot of the time it's bad a lot of the time and kids don't really care like all the stuff that i liked as a kid all the stuff that a a lot of adults like have nostalgia for yeah it's terrible a lot of that stuff was terrible he-man that was terrible it's true ninja turtles so he-man interestingly was written because the toys were already made yeah and they needed uh some way to sell the toy so they made the show exactly which is kind of interesting and it was in like the 80s. probably a terrible show. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember it, it liking is, it back it's then. Unwatchable. It's unwatchable. Yeah. So, uh, but kids don't care. You know, they like emojis, I guess. This is just mm-hmm. the new thing. Like the the movie seems to understand the world that kids live in, at least. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I didn't like it. I didn't get it. Um, but it's not I understand for where you. it's coming from and it's not for me. And I'm sure... You know, there's some huge population of kids in North America who are just watching this movie over and over and over and over again. Or and anything worldwide. with James Corden, people love. Yeah, I don't love anything with James Corden. Me too. His career, his film career is pretty terrible. He's a good host, but his acting is, uh, he, he just, he doesn't, I don't think he cares. He just wants to have a good time, which I yeah. totally uh, understand. He seems kind of shameless. You know, in a way, like he'll just do anything for money. Well, get get paid, you know. Yeah, but you know, he, I I don't know if he's even been in a good movie. I just watched Super Intelligence the other day. Not not good. No, yeah, he was and nominated for a Golden Globe recently for uh, the Prom. I think it's called. Oh, I, I haven't seen that. That's supposed to be pretty good. Well, he's in it, and he got nominated for a Golden Globe supposedly. So the system is rigged, Mike. Um, I have one more thing to say about this movie, and then we can move on to Lagan. Um, so supposedly, uh, Sony's attempt to unveil this film b- before the trailers and stuff came out was at the 2017 Cannes Film Festival. T.J. Miller uh, like skydived out of an airplane into like a party. Right, right. And it was quoted as uh, very awkward. Yeah, Just I like, remember if, I watched that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, apparently it was quite underwhelming and very uncomfortable for everyone. And it just didn't work. And it was a very shameless corporate ploy to basically shell off this film that is a piece of garbage, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of funny. Also, you know, TJ Miller, kind of a wild uh, choice. He was big for a while there. Obviously, now he's fallen from grace quite a bit. But, uh, you know, he was a busy guy because didn't he have a TV show at the same time? I don't know. Oh, yeah. He was in uh, Silicon Valley. Right, right. So that and that show is huge. So he was yeah. kind of he was really on the up and up for a while there before basically Me Too happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, anywho, that's uh, that's pretty much the gist of this film. Um, oh, I have one more thing to say, and this is just more to illustrate my ignorance, but when we decided to watch this film, I thought it was the live-action Kevin James film called Pixels. Oh, really? So I started the Emoji movie, and I was like, what the fuck? Is this just an animated movie? Like, where's Kevin James? And the whole time I was trying to figure out where Kevin James came out into the equation, and then yeah. I realized I was thinking about a completely different film. Yeah, it seems like they they took the success of the Lego movie. Yeah. And were like, oh, we can do that, but with, like, the little things that you put in text messages. And uh, and they did, because they made a bunch of money. Yeah, I guess it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did do a pretty good job taking a very, very bare-bones idea, that being emojis, mm-hmm. and figuring out a story... And characters and filling 90 minutes with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it also is, I mean, as bare bones as it gets in terms of story. It doesn't seem like it does anything uh, interesting ever. I mean, it just kind of takes the typical CG kids movie plot and just puts emojis in it, really. I I totally agree with you. But let's let's talk about Lagan, because that was a very... I went in really intimidated by the runtime, and I had a great time. Yeah, the movie is uh, three hours and 30 minutes long, or maybe a little bit longer than that. It's almost four hours. So it's an investment. It's like one of those movies that has a... uh, Mike, wait, wait. We should tell people, if you're in Canada, you have until the 24th of February to watch it. So maybe pause this episode right now. Sit down for four hours and watch Lagan and then turn us back on. Yeah. Because well, uh, time's running out if you want to watch it for free. Yeah. Netflix tells you that you have until the 23rd to watch it. However, I've seen that in the past where they do that. Their license expires, but they usually just renew it. Oh. So they uh, might renew the Lagan license again. Okay. Uh, okay. But also, I don't know. It might be gone for good on February 23rd. So, you know, if you're listening to this before then, maybe, and you live in Canada, give it a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anywho, sorry, continue. Lagan, Once Upon a Time in India, is a film that came out in 2001. It was directed by Ashutosh Goakar and written by him as well. Um, and it was produced by Amir Khan and starring Amir Khan. Uh, and it is a film about the British occupation of India. And uh, basically, they are going to tax this fictional village of called Champagneer, and um, they make an agreement with the the villagers um, that if they win a game of cricket, then they don't have to pay taxes for several years, but if they lose, then they have to pay three times as much tax. So the stakes are very high because, you know, I don't know, it seems like nobody has any money in the movie, so... Well, because it hasn't rained in several years. Yeah, it hasn't rained so in several no years. Crops, right? so, so there's, there's no crops, right? So there's no revenue for the village. Yeah. So, uh, yes, thank you for pointing that out. And so the, the title, uh, Lagan means tribute as in like a payment to, uh, you know, your, the rich person lording over you, the government, I guess. Um, the man. also on, yeah, the man, but also on, you know, paper Lagan means like agricultural taxes. So it's kind of mm. funny that there's a movie just called agricultural taxes, the movie, <laughs> uh, but tribute, you know, is a better, Sounding title, I guess. For it's more poetic. Like more poetic, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, the film was a risky move. 
because uh, Goakar's script was rejected by a lot of people. He tried to shop it around. Nobody really wanted to make this movie. Even Amir Khan um, rejected it because uh, he just thought it seemed too strange. Then he read the script and uh, became obsessed with it. And then, you know, a year or so later, decided not only to act in it, but to produce it as well. And he kind of didn't want to get into producing because his family comes from, or he didn't want to get into producing because his family is uh, all in the film industry. So he is a big star in India. Like he's described often as, you know, kind of like the Brad Pitt maybe, or Tom Cruise maybe is a better one of India. Mm -hmm. And some people say he's the biggest movie star in the world because his fan base is so big in populous places like India and China. So I, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that people in uh, America and Canada kind of have like a passing knowledge of this guy or no knowledge of him at all. But in the rest of the world, this guy is like the biggest star or at least was right. His dad is Tahir Hussein, who's a film producer, um, very prolific. And his uncle is Nasir Hussein, who's a famous Indian film director. Hmm. And uh, so Amir worked as a assistant director for his uncle for many years as a teen before he became an actor. Um, and his parents didn't want him to get into the film industry. They wanted him to like be a doctor or something, something with stability. But then he kind of uh, got the acting bug as a teen and then started acting in films and then he just became more and more popular over time. Um Although Lagan did come after a bit of a slump for him in the late 90s. He had enjoyed like a big run of success in the 90s and established himself as like the leading man of Holly, of Bollywood. But uh, he had a bit of a slump. So Lagan was like a classic risky move. So there's like kind of a meta narrative to this whole movie where... Of the gamble. Yeah, they took a gamble and it paid off because it was nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards and it lost. But uh, it was still like a big thing for India at the time because I don't know that there was a movie that had ever been the best foreign film nominee uh, before then. Was was 2001 uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? The winner of the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film for the 74th Academy Awards was Bosnia and Herzegovina's... Govinia? No, that's not right. Herzegovina's? (laughs) Bosnia's. (laughs) France. Uh, No Man's Land. Oh, okay. I've heard of that movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, there you go. But it beat Lagan. Oh, interesting. So has an Indian film ever won Best Foreign Picture at the Oscars? No, I don't think it has, no. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I think they were pretty bummed and pretty disappointed because it was nominated for this and then it was nominated for just like so many awards around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a huge success in India, but also in China and all over the world, technically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was shown at film festivals like Locarno, Sundance, and TIFF. And it made, I think, four or five times its budget. Nice. And I'm not sure on the, the uh, financial translation here, but basically it sounds like the budget was like five million bucks and it made... $20 million, which seems like the budget was very, very low. But well, maybe it was huge for Bollywood, I guess. I, and I think Bollywood is quite famous for being able to achieve a lot with not a lot of money. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just, it's a different style of filmmaking. Yeah. But, you know, there's sweeping crane shots and stuff in the film, and I was thinking to myself, 
how are they doing this? I wonder like what equipment they were using and how they were shooting and how long the days were and the dance numbers. I, because I, apparently, like from what I've read, a lot of Bollywood films are made in like a week. Yeah, I don't know. But, but then there's epic ones that are, are take much longer. I think this was like six months. Oh wow, I believe it. I mean, there's so much to it. Yeah. And it's almost all outside, so like a lot of it would be weather dependent, and you know, it would have been a nightmare to make. I feel like. Oh yeah, I read that like the uh, weather, the temperature was like fluctuated wildly, so it could be like really, really hot or really, really cold depending on what time of day it was. Right, right. And it was hellish, and um, they made some of the cast members live in the little huts just so that they could like get into character. Mm. They didn't like have to stay there all the time. They just like had to spend at least one night there. Mm. Basically, like how university students do homeless for a night and then they understand the entire experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty similar. The guy who played Katra had to like stay in like the, the lower cast hut and he said it was just like hell. So, <laughs> and he's like, I don't even have that many lines. Why do I have to do this? Uh, just not even a big role and he just has to be put into this terrible situation for a long time. Well, I'd say he's actually one of the bigger roles, kind of. He kind of comes in halfway through the movie and is like kind of the game changer. Well, totally, totally. And, and he teaches uh, everybody a lesson about class. Well, yeah, that's what's so cool about this film. How much similarly, if I may be so bold as to just talk about a similarity between the two films right now. Be, they be both, that bold. They both tackle more than just uh, what's happening in the plot. Like this, um, Lagan tackles like the caste system. It also tackles gender, you know, and, and it also just uh, tackles like community. Um, and it's very, and also politics and imperialism and mm -hmm. racism. It's cool how much it, it uh, covers. And then in um, uh, the Emoji movie, it very clumsily... <laughs> Uh, addresses like gender uh, and gender roles as well as like societal roles but it's just not as articulate or well done as in Lagan. Lagan is much more complex and it has the time to like really get into it. Yeah I guess the emoji movie should have been two or three times longer. Um, I, I mean no one would say that but I see what <laughs> you mean by that. No, I mean, hey, that, you know, that would be a risky move though. Riskier than Lagan. Three and a really. half hour emoji movie. Yeah, yeah. the 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 emoji movie had like a weirdly feminist kind of thing going on. It did, but it was it was clumsy. And it was sloppy. clumsy, and then it abandoned it at the end when it was like, oh, everybody's in love with everybody else. Like, well, and she was just like, uh, just stayed the princess, you know, yeah, from being exactly. a hacker to the princess, and it was like there were moments where there was supposed to be this emotional revelation. And change, but every time that happened, it was so arbitrary, and you could just tell that this film was being put into like a mold of prior films, and they were just like, oh, yeah. oh at this point, like at about seventy minutes in, maybe you know the main character should start to realize that uh, he should accept himself for who he is. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, no shit, but they just kind of like wedge it in, <laughs> and they don't, they don't, the 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 emotion doesn't track well. You know what I mean? Yeah. It did have like Lego movie kind of vibes where there was just kind of a nondescript kind of boring male character and a uh, a cool punky kind of female character who's rebellious, who has colored hair. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who has kind of hacker vibes. Mm-hmm. Literally in Emoji, she's 
a hacker, but the character in uh, the Lego movie is kind of similar. And they both have cool names, Wild Style and um, Jailbreak. Interesting. I wonder what the inspiration for this film was. <laughs> Probably the other yellow uh, smiley face movie that was very, very successful. Yeah. Anywho, uh, anything else about Lagan? Oh, so much. There's so much about this movie. There's literally on Netflix, there's a two and a half hour uh, documentary about the making of this movie. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty intense. Yeah. So the 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 does the film uh the film deals with cricket as like a main point of the plot in to the point where like the last third of the film is just the cricket game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And so they got in one of the greatest batsmen ever uh, to come in as their cricket consultant, Sachin Tendulkar, I guess is his name. He's like kind of the I wouldn't say the Michael Jordan of cricket because because like basketball is not similar to cricket, but baseball is. And so that would mean that he's not good because Michael Jordan wasn't the greatest baseball player. Right. Oh, yeah. I forgot he did that little career switch. Yeah. But who is a good baseball player? Who's like the best? Babe Ruth. Yeah. He's the Babe Ruth of cricket, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are better batters now, but Babe Ruth is the first. Or Hank goat. Aaron. Yeah. 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 R.I.P. He died last week. What? Yeah. Hank Aaron died last week. Wow. Oh, I got to read the news more. Yeah. Too busy watching three and a half hour movies. Anyways, continue. Uh, so the, uh, the town that they, that the movie takes, the town that the movie takes place in was built upon an existing village uh, called Cunaria in the Kutch district. Uh, and it was uh, similar in terms of access to technology as mm-hmm. the time in which the film was set, which is kind of wild. So they were like, we got to find a, a place that's basically like in the past, like the, it has off nothing, the grid has nothing it's off the grid yeah and uh, they also and but they built up extra like huts and they fleshed the town out so it was actually shot outside on location but they just uh you know they modded this village i guess sweet mod yeah and they had to take into a they like changed the layout to account for the various social factors of the time so like cast religion and social status so places like the huts would be in different areas i guess depending on you know how lower class you were relative to everybody else um and interestingly the language in the film is a combination of multiple dialects of hindi kind of to reflect the time and the place mm-hmm. so like one of the uh dialects that the uh, it's kind of like a mashup of a couple of dialects and it all still is understandable to someone who speaks Hindi because like the language has evolved a certain amount. It's just kind of like basically the village dialect, I guess. Hmm. So you can still understand it, but it kind of has like a village kind of vibe to it. If that makes any sense. Uh, also, interestingly, it did not rain at all when they were making the movie. Uh, but hmm. then as soon as the film ended or as soon as the filming ended, um, it rained immediately after. Oh shit! So another meta narrative situation going on. Nice. They commandeered an apartment building uh, so that the crew of three hundred plus people could have a place to live during filming. Um, and Amir Khan made sure to hold a private screening of the film for the village before anybody in the world got to see it. So after they finished the film, the first people who got to see it were the people who lent them, I guess, their village to make the movie for six months. For six months, yeah. Crazy. Wow. Uh, And yeah, it's considered a modern classic, and it has Mm -hmm. shifted the way that Bollywood films were made and considered worldwide, uh, and was just a huge critical success. 
and financial success, I guess. So ultimately, the risk paid off. Um, and one last little fact, the film also has a companion book. A phantasmagorical uh, companion <laughs> book? It does, yeah. Wow. There is a companion book. They even made like some comics about it, I guess. Sweet. Lots. Uh, yeah, there's so many things to know about this movie because mm-hmm. it uh, is freaking long and really interesting. But, you know, that's a lot right there. It's a good time. It's a good time, yeah. I did see this movie in 2001 uh, when it came out. Hmm. Uh, well, when it came out on DVD in Canada, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of saw it on a whim with my friend. Uh, and it was uh, awesome. Yeah, the music is so good. Oh yeah, yeah. This I I you know it's interesting when the film started. I was like, they're pretty stingy on the music. Like the average was one song an hour. Well, mm-hmm. um, for the first hour, but they they you know similar to a crescendo, they kind of were adding more and more music as the film went on, which I thought was smart because it keeps you engaged. Yeah, yeah. I really like the soundtrack to this movie. I think mm-hmm. the songs are so good. And they're like nice and long. Like there's like great choreo and a lot of things happen. It was nice. Like they 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 didn't phone it in on the songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. It's wild that we watch like Hollywood movies and they have gigantic casts of people, but the extras are mostly CG nowadays. Mm-hmm. When they try and do a movie of like this size nowadays in Hollywood, they'll yeah they'll just CG in all the extras. But like Bollywood movies, they always just have real extras there all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people, like thousands of people, I think. Yeah, it's awesome. How do you like organize that? You just have assistant directors running around freaking out the whole time. Yeah, I guess. That's just, that's just how it works. Well, new game, Roundhead. Cricket. Cricket? Nobody understands cricket. You gotta know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. I'll teach you. Six months. Um, well, let's let's get into it. Let's get into some uh, comparisons, Mike. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's get into it. These were extremely similar films, I would say. They were... Yeah, there's a lot. Identical movies, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, both films... Uh, this is kind of like a two a twofold comparison, but both films have a protagonist that is pigeonholed, but within the greater um, ensemble all of the characters are like supposed to be a single note. Yeah. Right. And then as the film unfolds, you realize that all of these characters have more complexity to them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like so, literally in Lagan, they'd be like, this guy, he's angry. This guy. Well, yeah. Tough. Like, like, like the drum guy and like everyone just had like <laughs> one note that yeah. they were. And then as the film unfolded, it's like, Oh, I thought you were just good at using the bat, but you you you're also good at bowling, and you know, yeah. also you gave me great advice, and uh, I like you now, and you're more compassionate than I thought you. Were. You know, like just the 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 layers of the onion were peeled back, and that's true of the emoticons. Yeah, and sometimes the uh, the one note that the character had as their character was 
uh, to their detriment. Mm-hmm. Like the the one guy who was like, he's just seems like he's kind of angry or really excitable. I can't really put my finger on what his character was. Mm-hmm. But then when he got up to bat, he was he kind of was like freaking out because like that didn't serve him well when he was needed to play cricket. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd call that person uh, capricious. Yes. Ooh, capricious. Yeah. Yeah. This is a nice word, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Both. And uh, similarly, I'd say the lady uh, Smiley was quite capricious. Hmm. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So both films, uh, there is a game that needs to be played at some point in order to succeed. Hmm. So in Lagan, it's obviously cricket, and then in uh. The Emoji movie, they play Candy Crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later they play Just Dance. Oh, yeah, right. They just kind of like go through a couple of games. And they play Dropbox. And they play Dropbox also, yeah. Yeah. yeah the Dropbox um, plot point was strange. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like the kids know what Dropbox is. I uh, don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I mean, they why do. would a kid use, especially like on your phone, like you, you, phones just don't come with it. You have to download Dropbox. You have to spend money on Dropbox. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And a teen who like has Candy Crush on their phone and is concerned about like having a crush on some person. Yeah. Uh, a Candy Crush on some person. Why would wow. they have, why would they have Dropbox? Yeah. That wasn't the biggest flaw with the film, I think. <laughs> oh, another huge flaw which I should have brought up in my context was in the loser lounge. Um, the eggplant is present and we all know the eggplant to be quite a popular emoticon because of its um, representation of uh, genitalia. And yeah, that I, is kind of weird. I think that would apply to a high school kid or to an adult. I feel like the, the, I mean, I literally sent you a funny uh, dick over text yesterday. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so, you did. Yeah. Like, at, you know, um, I just, I don't believe it. I think the eggplant would be more up there and not in the loser lounge. I think that's, that's that was just poor filmmaking right there. Yeah, I agree. That is uh, the biggest flaw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, both films were surprise international successes, I guess. Oh, yeah. And both made more money than they cost. Yeah, exactly. Because Lagan. Uh, was a success in India for sure, but mm-hmm. then was a surprise international success. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially considering it was about cricket, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and then the Emoji movie, yeah, did really well outside of North America, which I think is surprising, but I guess probably not because everybody texts and has a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, both films use narration. Yes. Um, so the main character, Gene, narrates the beginning of uh, the Emoji movie. And uh, there's just like ever-present narration to explain basically like chapter headings in the film Lagan. I Interesting. I thought that those parts were just when there was a lot of English speaking going on. And then they just had some guy kind of narrate over top of it. Because oh. sometimes the narration would like happen over top of scenes where two English-speaking people were talking to each other. And then right, the right. narrator would just be like, all right, so this is what these guys are talking about. And this is what happened and stuff. That's cool. I didn't even think about that. That is interesting. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, that's just 
That way everyone's on the same page. That's pretty cool. I didn't even realize that. Um, both films uh, feature unrequited love that is, yes. in the end, requited. Quite requited, yeah. Um, that being like the human character in the Emoji movie, mm-hmm. whatever his name was, falls in love with Addie, that girl. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's unrequited for the entire film, and then it's requited. Similarly, Gory in um, Lagan is in love with Bouvan, and then you think that they're not going to get together, but ho, 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 they do. <laughs> I I will say, just as a, I've been trash-talking um, the Emoji movie, and I feel like I should make one criticism of Lagan. I thought... The Elizabeth Russell dynamic was sloppy. Like, she just fell in love with Bouvan out of nowhere. Yeah. And I didn't buy it. I was just like, where the fuck did this come from? This is just arbitrary conflict. But also, she's kind of surrounded by a bunch of boring, stuffy stuffy British guys. Mm -hmm. And then Bouvan Mm -hmm. is like, yo, I'm going to like change things. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to make everybody inspired and stuff. And... So she kind of like, you know, caught wind of that and was like, yeah, yeah, this guy's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, sure. it does kind of seem unbelievable. On well, some they, level. They, they just never like really met. And she learned a new language seemingly in like a few hours. Yeah, which is that really, was crazy. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, oh, I've been studying. I, I learned like learned this to guy speak taught Hindi. me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish uh, it actually worked that way. That would be incredible. Well, uh, I did read about the uh, ca- the cast of the film, the English-speaking cast, like the British mm-hmm. people, I guess. They had to learn how to speak Hindi. Oh, really? Yeah. That was part oh. of like the prerequisite for them getting cast. So oh, I cool. did read an interview with the British dude. Yeah. Uh, like the bad guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, to, and he really struggled with it. He was oh, like, interesting. Oh, this, this was hell. But then he eventually got it, but it took him like months and months and months. Oh, I bet. But he was pretty solid, like, in the movie. I was like, shit, this guy's got it. Yeah, and then I guess, you know, that comes in handy later. I don't know why they would need to learn the entire language. I think you just need to learn the parts that you need to say. Well, and so many movies, like, they just make you learn the phonetics. Like, you just don't even know what you're saying. You're just like, hey, yeah, I can, like, read it phonetically, so I'll just do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's it's interesting that they were sort of loyal to learning the language. Um, both films feature a like small world within a larger world. So mm-hmm. this is a village within like a large country, but with well, within, a larger within, province within a, yeah within a larger province within a large country within like the I guess, empire the empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in uh, the emoji movie, like they're in a app in a phone in a person's pocket, you know, mm-hmm. in like the real world, I guess. Yeah. If I can second that, yeah, I wrote down that both have like a, a, of 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 like a unique village where the majority of the story takes place. Yeah, that that is like disconnected from everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Textopolis, obviously, and then uh, the village that all the shit goes down in. Yeah, and there's a um, lot of people in both of those places. Yeah, yeah. Um, so both films have a main character that has to try to um educate the ensemble uh or or like you know is again going against the grain of like what is societally normal and Uh has to educate everyone in order to create change yeah so gene is like a multifaceted 
um, Express, sir. Uh, and then Bouvan is like, listen, we don't even, we don't have like any fucking food. Well, how are we going to pay tax? And then he, he goes against everyone's wishes and then ends up proving everyone wrong. And same with uh, Gene. Yeah. And everyone comes out the other end a little bit better. The other end like a butt? Yeah, like a poop. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah. He, he definitely comes out the other end. Yeah. Uh, both films have two female characters for, like that are the main characters, I guess. There's more than uh-huh. two female characters in both movies, but both of them have like one female character who shows uh, the male lead the rules of the place. Um, so one character, one female character shows them the rules and then there's another female character who's just there to fall in love with. Yeah. Which is like the human girl. She just kind of mm-hmm. exists as a love interest. Both, uh, both films deal with a generational conflict. Mm. So you've got, uh, Gene and his parents and they kind of have different beliefs and ideas about how to behave and like what to expect and how to be responsible and then Bouvan has a, a hard time with a lot of the older um, characters in the film who are like well respected, like the physician and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he has to like persuade them. So there's just like a generational sort of divide that occurs that is bridged by the end of the film. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, another divide is a divide of class. Yes. Uh, uh, there is like another divide in the film. That being, and I'm putting like big quotes around this, a defective character saves the day. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because in mm-hmm. the Emoji movie, they're like, he's defective. He he doesn't express man. He can express any emotion. Yeah, yeah. And then in Lagan, there is a character who is uh, of a lower cast who has like a, uh, I guess, a disability in his arm. Mm-hmm. He's one of the untouchables, they call them. Mm-hmm. And to the point where people who are like, I can't believe you touched that guy. Yeah, um, literally untouchable. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah, he's not to be touched. And then uh, he's kind of brought into the fold uh, in the cricket game. And then he ultimately ends up having like a uh, his weakness becomes his strength when he is demonstrated to be able to like bowl the ball in a curvy way. Yeah, yeah, like Which a curveball in baseball. Yeah, yeah it's a curveball. So everybody's like, oh, actually, this guy whose name is Katra, who is like, everybody hates him, I guess, or avoids him. Everybody by the end is like, this guy rocks. Mm -hmm. So similarly, I guess in the emoji movie, they're like, yeah, yeah, meh is uh, a good guy, I guess. Um, Both films feature uh, a ramshackle team put together in order to get shit done. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, both films like have like that sequence where it's like we we you know we have to just like get together and do this thing and we have a shared task but we're also scared. So in the Emoji Movie, obviously you have the hacker and the the hand guy James Corden, and they become like a ramshackle trio and they have to go on an adventure to to basically go on to to escape the phone. And then in Lagan, Bouvan has to like build this team out of just like all the randos in his village. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very quintessentially ramshackle in both situations. Oh, actually going off of that and with what I just said, 
Um, even high five is kind of considered like a kind of ramshackle defective emoji, you know? And he has a Band-Aid. And he has a Band-Aid. He has an injured hand as well. Oh, yeah, shit. So both. there you go. And both both injured hands end up uh, being, you know, useful and beneficial to the collective. Yeah, there you go. Nice, and nice. Uh, and then they're, they also both are in a lower position and by the end of the film are in a higher position socially. Mm-hmm. Um, um, speaking of higher position, uh, both films feature a uh, character who is rebellious, helps the main character by showing them the rules. Mm-hmm. So like the British lady. Uh, but she's also related to the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And is like kind of royal. I'm not exactly sure. Like she dresses fancy. She's not like royal. I think she's just person. like rich. She's just rich, yeah. But she yeah. she has royal vibes, I guess. Totally. That blue so, blood. Yeah. So exactly the same between both films. Um, both movies... Um, use like a very heavy dose of familial romantic and friendship love so Uh you've got like familial love in both films um you've got romantic love and then you've got like bff love like what mike and i have yeah (laughs) yeah so it's it's pretty cool they they use a lot of a lot of all the different forms of love to uh tell tell their story yeah nice Mm -hmm. oh that's touching I, I just, I like to keep it warm, you know? Super Bowl Sunday can get tense for people, and I just want them to know there's still a lot of love out there. Yeah, that's true. Except for the Emoji movie. Yeah, we don't love that. No. Uh, both films feature a bad guy with a very, like, expressive, very big smile. Oh. And, like, the British dude has kind of got, like, a big, smug mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you got a big smug mouth. But he kind of does like they seem like they casted him because he just looks kind of evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because he's got that smug mouth. He's got a really sinister situation. Yeah, face wise. Yeah, yeah face fa- facially sinister. Yeah, and similarly, the uh, you know emoji, the bad emoji, is just like the really smiley lady. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, and both- she's she's also like kind of thwarted by her own team. Uh, at the end yeah yeah she is and i think that's actually true of both films like um i was just gonna say like the antagonist in both films enlists uh like a like a group of henchmen Mm -hmm. so smiley has the robots and like starts off with the smaller ones and then has like the mega robot and then the british guy has like an army of officers that are all good at cricket yeah. And uh, they just seem to be like devoted to him mindlessly and they don't really have character development. But then like the sister betrays the brother and um, Smiley um, has everyone on her side. And then by the end, everyone's against her. Um, both films feature characters that are always looking up to their God. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, I had that written down. I forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like in... Um... The Emoji movie, they're always talking about whatever the little boy's name is. Like, we'll, we'll most... just call him Little Boy. Yeah, Little Boy. He, like, they <laughs> named him, but I can't remember what his name is. Yeah. But uh, anyway, they're always talking about him. He's the most important thing. And in Lagan, they're always talking about uh, Krishna and Radha. Mm-hmm. There's even like a really sweet song about like them. And you're that, like, I, that whole musical number was amazing. That was like the, that's all the best song in the movie. Yeah. 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 I thought that was pretty freaking sweet. Yeah, and like the the solo, we're like, and then they match it with the singing. That's yes. crazy. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, it was cool. Also, both films, uh, at the end, everything is restored. That being rain happens mm-hmm. and the guy's phone is fixed. <laughs> uh, and then everybody <laughs> uh, everybody just dances happily with the one that they love at the end. Oh, yeah. The I didn't even realize sequence. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it is a nice. And Actually, both, if you think about it, both films are, you could argue they're both musicals, but not musicals. Yeah, like like Lagan is a sports movie. Uh, the Emoji movie is a I don't know, just like a fucking kids animated movie. But they both heavily use dance, mm-hmm. which 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 um, adds a layer of ambiguity to their definition. Mm, nice, kind of fun. Yeah, that's my last one. I just wanted to get a highfalutin on that last one. Yeah, what is it with CG movies? I think like in a post Shrek world, yeah, uh, where like CG movies for mm-hmm. kids always kind of have dance sequences in them, uh, almost to a fault. I think like this movie is like in a great example of it, but there's just like so many CG movies where it's like, hey, look at these characters now they're dancing to this pop song we know. Well, yeah, and including Shrek. Well, I mean Shrek two started they have the Shrek karaoke party. Remember that. Well, no, Shrek 1 ends with I'm a Believer. Do you oh, yeah, remember that right. whole dance number? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think I am? Donkey's singing. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, we should just do Shrek again. We should just do Shrek again. I mean, yeah. in many ways, Shrek 2 is the better of the two movies. Oh, maybe we should do Shrek? Okay, we can have that conversation later. We but, can also uh, do one of the bad Shreks as the bad movie. Oh, yeah, Shrek 3 or Shrek, Shrek the Halls. I think Shrek 3, Shrek 4 are kind of bad. Shrek 1 and 2 are like solid. Shrek 3 and 4 are kind of like meh mm-hmm. or bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, post Shrek, like I can't think of a movie before Shrek where it was like, we got to sing a song and dance well, yeah, like Toy at Story the very end always. That. Yeah, Toy Story never does that. There's not really Pixar movies. They don't really do that in Pixar movies, I guess. No. Pixar has no. wisely stayed away, but all the other companies... Imagination or whatever it's called, blue media yeah, like, or whatever it's called. I don't or like know. just like whoever makes uh, D- Despicable Me. Yeah, exactly. Is, is there dancing in that movie? I I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't seen that one. Oh, <laughs> I haven't I, seen I Minions. I, believe it or not. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ, Mike. <laughs> I did see. Um, an, I did see an interesting conversation on the internet about how the Minions' their job is to serve the baddest bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then someone on Twitter pointed out. Like the the minions coincidentally ended up in Antarctica between 1939 and 1945. Like they weren't in Germany at the time, because <laughs> I think the the anime the animation directors were like, you know what, let's um, let's leave Hitler out of this. Let's leave Hitler out of the Despicable Me franchise. <laughs> but that that's like the inherently problematic part about Despicable Me is that the minions have to serve whoever's the worst bad guy at the time. I guess. But that means like. I- 
that is just flawed because that means like they are anti-Semitic. Yes. They are racist. Like just the 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 minions are bad. They are like, bad. Like yeah. truly, truly, like like just cruel, cruel creatures. Yeah, they have a. They haven't committed that one particular genocide, but, but they, they've committed others. They've been. Yeah, they've committed others. We know this. So and dare I say they're just complicit if they were like alive during from 1939 to 1945. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they were just like. Well, we're just going to hang out here and wait it out. It, that's just sloppy backpedaling and kind of hilarious. But then also, if you watch Minions, I haven't seen the film, but I've watched the trailer and I've watched clips of Minions. Yes. Uh, and the bit is usually when they are serving some of the, whoever the bad guy is. In the prehistoric times, they even like are their boss is a T-Rex, I guess. Right. But because of the Minions' incompetence, the Minions' is incompetence. Um, because plural minions, I guess. Minion eye. Yeah, the minion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because of their incompetence, they usually end up killing the uh, bad guy in mm. question. Shit, they could have killed Adolf Hitler a lot like, sooner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If the wow. minions were there, they could have like dispatched Hitler accidentally. I, I think also, and like this is obviously a way larger conversation that doesn't need to be had or facilitated by this podcast, but... It also is interesting the 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 implication of the entire sort of story of the minions does really make who is good and evil black and white cuz uh-huh. that that means that means they're like yeah they were in Antarctica cuz we we didn't want them to serve Hitler but they're like but Stalin's a good guy. Yeah. You know and it's like mm, is he? And then you can have a larger conversation about historical figures and uh, whether or not their overall, you know, impact was good or evil, you know, it's just kind of interesting. Like, yeah, I, d- I don't know. Like, was Napoleon evil? You know, you could just get into this whole well, historical the, the conversation. Like, they they work with Napoleon. Oh, they do. Oh, so yeah. he is evil then. And yeah. okay, okay, that's. But good he's that like they... a safe evil because you know he's not. I don't know. I mean, I don't really want to get into <laughs> the Holocaust yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. But. <laughs> Yeah, he's like a safe evil, I guess, to the minions. Right. So it's like, oh, we can, like, Napoleon's a cartoon character. And I, I guess, like, you can animate him and make him, like, short and fat and all that shit. But exactly. how, how do you animate Adolf? Yeah, Adolf Hitler just has a really intense, uh, you know, historical sort of connotation that you can't deny in yeah. a kid's film. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. But it is, yeah, it is kind of wild that they avoided that. And it would have yeah. been a risky move, but also maybe... A daring one uh, if they actually went for it and were like, you know what? No, that this is what the minions do. They have to serve this guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's well, a dance scene at the end. Anywho, um, that is, I wasn't aware of that, that they were in Antarctica and that is uh, fucking hilarious. Well, that's according to the people on Twitter. I didn't oh, see the whole oh. film, but also one thing that I thought was interesting about the Emoji movie uh, was that Maya Rudolph plays mm-hmm. the uh, evil Smiley. Smiley. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is married to Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. So that means that at one point, Paul Thomas Anderson, who is like this, you know, edgy filmmaker guy, whatever, 
has had a conversation at length with somebody about the emoji movie. Maybe even should I do the emoji movie? But well, he's get like this. spoken he has about four it and or five about kids it. with her. Yeah. He 100% is talking about the emoji movie right now as we're talking. You think? Or he's talking about minions. He's got like a bunch of babies all like under six or seven. Yeah. That's what's so, kind of that's what's kind of funny. These people who you think are like this certain way or kind of have this certain aura about them. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as they have kids or are affiliated with other things, then uh yeah, like a yeah, Maya Rudolph and being like, uh, ah, should I do the emoji movie? I don't know. And Paul Dambas Anderson has had to say the words the emoji movie. Mm-hmm. Like which I don't know. That seems funny to me for some reason. It is funny because his his films are dark. Like you got Daniel Plainview, and then you have Gene from uh, the Emoji Movie, and both of those characters are swirling around in Paul Thomas Anderson's brain. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. even just like in in the house, you know, one person is working on her lines for the Emoji Movie, and then and the he's writing a like, screenplay. He's writing a screenplay about about I don't know bad guys doing likable bad, bad guys stuff. doing bad stuff or something i don't know <laughs> however you would define his films yeah um oh man i want to watch the master again just as a side note and it's on amazon prime which is sweet i got the um, uh i got the master on blu-ray really uh from dollarama what it cost the me fuck? two dollars i got it on blu-ray for two dollars that is nuts when I end up in Dollarama for some reason, they're just selling you. I, I always got go, movies. Yeah, well, I maybe ten years ago I found um, a copy of the Xbox game uh, Sneak King. Have you heard of this game? No. You know about this game? No, never heard of it. So basically, you play as the Burger King. <laughs> Burger King made a bunch of Xbox games. Mm-hmm. There's like a Mario Kart kind of one. There's a game called Sneak King, and there's some other one. I can't remember what that one was, but Sneak King, you play as the Burger King and you have to sneak up on people and give them hamburgers. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of uh, stealth mechanics, like Metal Gear Solid, I guess, kind of. Okay. So you get more points if the person is completely surprised by your burger. <laughs> and if you, add a little, <laughs> if you add a little flourish to it, uh, I think I spent my entire birthday day one year, like I think 2013 maybe, I spent the entire day playing Sneak King. Not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> I did. So I, I did finish this game. Wow, that's amazing. Since then, every time I go to Dollarama, I kind of check the DVD and video game aisle just in case they have like some hidden gem. Sweet. One time I found the master there for $2. That's amazing. I know, pretty wild. That's oh, that's just hilarious. I wonder if Paul Thomas Anderson knows where his films end up. Well, I know that it seemed like an indictment of the master on some level. But the master is a good film. I know. Fucking weird. I love I that know. you bought it at a Dollarama. Yeah. Fuck, that's funny. And it looks just as good. Like, yeah. It's not like it's some weird garbage copy of it. It's like the mm-hmm. same movie. They probably just printed too many and they're like trying to get them, get rid of them and they're sitting on a shelf for several years, you know. Yeah. There's shit like that, but that's really, really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the master is good. Maybe, maybe this is too much of a departure from where we've been talking but i would love to there have been whispers that paul thomas anderson has tried to write a children's movie really yeah and uh i mean like he's not obviously he's like in the middle of a production right now with bradley cooper but uh he 
yeah, he's like talked about writing a kids movie, and I would just love to see what that's like. Well, uh, I guess yeah, Punch Drunk Love is like kind of that vibe, but it's still pretty twisted. Yeah, there's a there's a phone sex scene. I don't think it's a kids movie. Well, depends how you raise your kids. And it's about a guy who has emotional issues uh, uh, involving anger. Yeah, yeah. He finds a organ. That's fun, I guess. A harmonium. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you ever see the Straight Story? Oh, with uh, 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 the David Lynch movie and the Ride yeah. on Lawnmower. No, I haven't seen it yet, but I really want it's to. It's G-rated. Right. His yeah. only G-rated film. Yeah. So there's the Straight Story. There's also a movie called I think Love and Peace by like this Japanese director Sion Sono, mm. who is famous for making like very dark, violent, uh, sexual films. Oh, okay. Like he did tag and he did um, anti-porno. And um, anyway, he made a movie called Love and Peace, which is like a kid's movie. Cool. So there's like, there are cases of these, um, you know, R-rated directors, I guess, making kids movie. Oh, you know who else? Marty. Martin Scorsese. Hugo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which I love. It's actually one of my favorite films of his. Yeah, it'd be fun to actually have like a little movie uh, marathon of... Kids R-rated movies kids made movies. by R-rated directors. Yeah, yeah. Rated R for really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The Hugo was one of like the few 3D movies that really utilized 3D really well. And it worked super yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that movie and Jackass 3D and I guess Avatar. Yeah. Like Avatar used 3D technology well. I mean, that was the whole point. It did. Don't don't forget about um, the the family favorite Spy Kids 3D. Yeah, Spy Kids 3D. Was they good. they use 3D like like nobody's business. You got yeah. lava being flicked at your face. Oh, and then Coraline was very good. Oh yeah, in 3D. Coraline was good in 3D. Actually, there was a five year window where 3D was just really good. Even the first first J.J. Abrams uh, Star Wars. Yeah, there was some good stuff in there. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind of like not a thing anymore, I guess. No, I think people just like watching movies. Yeah, I mean, when I have a choice when I go to the movies now, I usually opt to not watch the 3D movie unless I'm well, forced to. And it's cheaper. It's cheaper, and the 3D generally makes the film darker, mm-hmm. and it kind of wears off after a while. I don't know if you have the same effect, but... No, yeah, you you acclimate to the 3D, and then the novelty is no longer there. Yeah. I did think... Uh, Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road mm-hmm. had really good 3D because they throw things at you a lot in the film. So It's true, like whole stuff cars. That, yeah, so there's a lot of really cool shots in that where the 3D makes the movie better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, generally, not really the case for most movies. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in, Enter the Spider-Verse. That was good in 3D. Oh yeah, that's a great 3D movie. Yeah, and just a solid movie as is on yeah. Netflix right now. Uh, do you... Do you work for Netflix? I wish. God, that would be great. But no, I don't. Have you seen uh, any other Bollywood films? Uh, yes. Um, none of the names are... I mean, it's been a while. Like, I haven't sat down and watched one in quite some time. But when I was a kid, I would watch them. Really? Yeah. It is kind of wild that there's all these other film industries around the world. And we know nothing about them. That we know nothing about and we don't really see their movies with the same frequency that we see like North American movies. Yeah, like there's amazing Chinese cinema, amazing mm-hmm. Indian cinema. 
Yeah, and we just don't know anything about it. Yeah, and they have these gigantic blockbusters and we never see them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have the ability to if we really wanted to, but we just... Just it's lazy, not, it's shitty not like, people. Well, I just mean like it's not the cultural norm, I guess, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't hear people talking about, uh, yeah, some huge Chinese film in the same breath as the Avengers. That's true. That's true. But in re- but in reverse, like in China, you know, the Avengers is is big there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, there's guess- just a double standard because the United States has, you know, through globalization, just completely taken over the whole world in terms of pop culture. Yeah. You know? So, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. That's the thesis of our uh, <laughs> podcast. It is what it is. These two movies, they're the same. Yeah. But, I mean, on that note, I guess, you know, we're watching the Super Bowl later today. And we don't even really... Watch football. Watch football or care about football, but it's like the cultural standard, I guess. Well, the Super Bowl Sunday, I guess we got to go watch the football game. I don't know shit about football, but that's okay. I'm excited to eat snacks. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well... I, I feel like this is done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would agree. I think it was um, done. We did all the things we do. Let's wrap this puppy up. Yeah, let's wrap it up saying, in a snuggly blanket. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, come back next week for another episode of From Justin to Kane. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>